Hello and welcome to the 360 Lady, the complete, whole and thriving lady. Every two weeks we talk about stories or hard truths in our various pillars of life such as spirituality, relationships, career, finances and many more. My intention on this podcast is to strengthen and empower women to walk in God's ultimate truth of completeness in Him. I am your host, Mabwe Oyetunji. Hello 360 ladies, how are you today? You are welcome to today's episode of the 360 Lady Podcast and I am glad to have you here with me. Today I will be talking to you about something dear to my heart. The second thing which I believe comes after spirituality or faith and also a major attribute to a healthy, happy and fulfilled life, mindfulness. So let me start out by painting you a picture. Imagine an airplane flying at, say, an altitude of 37,000 feet. You walk down the aisle. Some of the passengers are watching movies. Some are adjusting. Some are reading. Some are struggling to sleep. I can surely relate to that on a flight. Now, moving on to the cockpit, you realize the pilot is taking a nap or even snoring away. Honestly, at that point, do you go ballistic or do you tell yourself, He's only human. He needs to sleep too. Knowing truly well that your life is at stake. (laughs) Thankfully, airplanes have an autopilot system. And this is the reason one of the pilots can comfortably go to sleep without worrying about the plane. I had the privilege of speaking to a pilot and he did in fact confirm that even helicopters have their own autopilot systems, which will require some monitoring, you know, here and there. But once the data is imputed, the pilot can safely fly without continuous manual control of the helicopter. You know, when I think about it, even myself personally, I'm sure for most people as well, you can almost close your eyes driving from your house to your workplace just because you have done it so many times. And, you know, you never have to use a sat-nav or routes or directions on the road. So again, it's like you're driving on autopilot. Now, the idea of mindfulness focuses on the opposite of operating on autopilot. What is mindfulness? While nearly every single person is talking about it, many people are actually unclear as to what mindfulness is exactly. In the billboard view, (laughs) I call that the picture, mindfulness is actually what you may think. It's a deeper sense of self-awareness that teaches us how to interact with the world around us and within us. But looking narrowly at the definition, it can mean many things. For one, it can be the series of strategies that we use to develop a, say, greater sense of self-awareness. It is also the exact moment when we stop reacting and start recognizing how we feel at the present moment and start responding to it. Before we delve deep into mindfulness, I'd like us to take a closer look at the mind because that is the bedrock of mindfulness. The mind is so, so critical in our being. And a lot of times when we think about our minds, we automatically think of our brain, right? Now here's the newsflash. They are very different. Our mind is this, you know, limitless, infinite force that is not limited to our brain. Now, the easiest way to differentiate them is that the brain is physical while our mind isn't. I was listening to a neurologist the other day and she said the brain and the body are collectively made up of between 37 to 100 trillion cells that group into the brain, the heart and the hands. Hold on and take a walk with me. And please don't worry. Please, 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 please. 
This is not a throwback from your biology class that you so hated as a child. I am getting somewhere. Now, all the brain, heart, and hands are physical organs that we can see and touch, right? But the physical is only about 10% of who you are. When I heard that, it blew my mind. Like, it absolutely blew my mind. We all know that these physical parts will disintegrate when we die, clearly. But while we are alive, it is our magnificent mind that allows us to communicate, to think about what you're saying, how you're saying it, and while you're even feeling it. A couple of months ago, I thought a group of teens, well, maybe not teens, but like 9 to 16 year olds about magnetism. And I kind of liken the mind to the magnetic field. So for example, when you place a white paper in between the magnets and a metal that is magnetic and try moving the magnet, you will notice that the metal moves wherever the magnet moves, right? Science students, where are you? (laughs) Now that's exactly what the mind is like. The mind is the field in relationship with the brain. And you can see the relationship when you actually apply the magnet. Just like the electromagnetic field is invisible, our mind is also not physical. So our mind marries perfectly with our physical. They are separable but inseparable. So in this magnificent mind of ours, there are several constituents to it. In fact, there are eight. The first are your thoughts. Your thoughts are simply intellectual exertions. The second is your memory, which serves in your remembrance and remembering things. Then there's your imagination, which is a third. This allows you to recollect and, you know, possibly create images for the future. The fourth is your consciousness, which is the bedrock of awareness. Then there are your emotions, (laughs) which, you know, we all know is responsible for your moods and (laughs) cough, cough. We know um, how we ladies can get sometimes. No comment. The sixth one is your will. And I bet you've heard of willpower, willpower, willpower. That is right. That one is deciding and sticking to it. We have the seventh, which is knowledge, which we all know is understanding of concepts. And lastly, your mindset, which is part of you, my lady. You have control over. This is a big definer of what happens in your life. And you can gradually build this. Now, Let's get back to the basics of creation. When I think about creation, I realize the mind can make or break things. In this beautiful book, I like bringing this book up, called the Bible. Such an amazing book if you haven't read it. In the second chapter, in the first book of the Bible called Genesis, humanity came as a thought in God's mind. That was the making of Adam and Eve. And many other things. Now, if we go further to the next chapter, we meet Eve in her substance. The so-called woman (laughs) responsible for the terrible cramps we suffer and the painful childbirth. All because of what she did. Now, this was a funny one because, I mean, I imagine Eve was going about minding her own business, doing some gardening and who knows what probably doing some paintings of nature until knock knock the deceitful serpent also known as the devil came to her with one question one one question there he used eve's mind against her by injecting a question that destabilized her world he said 
has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree in the garden? That one question changed her mind and led her to the breaking of Adam and Eve, which, I mean, some people call the fall. That's the power of the mind. What are you making or breaking by the activities of your mind? Have you considered that your mind can be working against you and not for you? So, I'm going to be talking about three phases in the mind. The past, the present, and the future. Let's look at the past. There are two ways that your mind travels back through memory lane. I'm sure you've all heard of memory lane. The first one is introspection, where you are thinking about things that happened to you even up until your toddler years with an attitude of curiosity and self-exploration, where you are interested in your past that you try to draw some conclusion about yourself or even other people. And, you know, an example of this one I thought of um, is the memory of my mom as a young widow, um, probably in her mid-30s, as an extremely hardworking and resilient junior doctor. She would take all her three kids with her on call. Once she was done, she would go back home in the morning, have a shower for us, and she'd get us ready for to drop us at school. I mean, I look at her now and understand how God, you know, built up a reservoir of strength within her through all of that, all of those experiences. Bless her. The second way our mind travels back to memory lane is rumination. So the first was introspection and the second is rumination. This is, you know, one of more of regret where you're thinking about your past, you're replaying your failures or even trauma you may have experienced. Little good comes from the latter and it is important to take action with this phase. Ask yourself, what can I draw from these experiences for my present or future? Or rather than just revisiting the past, is there a way I can put my past to rest? Remember, 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 your past does not define you, but it gives you an amazing hint about you and it enables you to change into someone better or someone completely different. This means that no matter what happened to you, you are still here. You are standing, you survived, you are strong. Now take that and walk with it my 360 lady. Let's have a look at the present. I like to call this um <laughs> the Ferrari lane. You know how Ferraris are very fast. Where the mind is racing at say 120 miles per hour, trying to calculate all things you have to get done, when you have to get them done by, how you are going to do it, and forget to stop, take a chill pill, and breathe. For some of us, our brains are on gear three, <laughs> some are on five, depending on the nature of what you're doing during the day, from childcare to nine to five jobs or, you know, whatever. But no matter the speed, at some point, you would need to get it into neutral, a place of rest. You may have noticed that as you begin the day, your energy levels are high and as the day unravels, your focus and tendency to move about starts to degrade. Even if you've had a good dose of sleep at night, even if it always happens. Now, how did our ancestors who worked 12 hour shifts while taking care of a home do it? How? And I asked myself that question. They napped. Power napping, a huge part of mindfulness, which I rediscovered through my friend, actually. Um, yeah, I say rediscovered because, I mean, obviously, we all know what napping is. We all know what it means to take a power nap. But are we intentional about it? I remember her nicely saying, consciously clear your mind of all thoughts. Once I did this for my sweet Sunday power nap, I knew right away 
that I had to intentionally make this a habit. I bet someone is literally rolling their eyes and asking, but how do I clear my mind of all thoughts? How? We'll get to that. Now, the last phase is the future. We all think about the future. In fact, the best way to envision your future is possibly imagining it. I remember what I spoke about as a constituent of your mind is imagination. I know I'm talking about the future phase of your mind, but let me um, tell you a story. Now, back when I was much younger, I would always go to after school lessons every day. I mean, except Wednesdays. And I remember the teacher would ask all students, should I tell you a story? And we would all shout, yes, with so much excitement. Then he would start, story, story. And we all had to respond, story. Then he would say, once upon a time. And we would all say, time, time. <laughs> For those who aren't familiar with this, this statement was always the intro to a much anticipated traditional story, personal story, or even fictional story. But the point here is that it was an excellent art of storytelling. And it opened up our minds to imagine It's a beautiful thing, such a beautiful thing to create images for the future. But it is critical to be aware of the point when your mind starts to get clouded with uncertain thoughts about your future. At that point, you will require what I call an MOT, also known as servicing, also known as um, mind mechanic. In this particular phase is where your mind can actually work against you. But it is important to remember that there is beauty in the unknown and trust in the unknown is not the result of having all the answers to every question that plagues your mind. Trust in the unknown is a belief that progress and unanswered questions can coexist. You do not need to know all the answers before you move forward. So move forward, my ladies. Progress, 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 and not perfection. Now, to those of you who are asking, how and how do I practice mindfulness? Here are seven practical ways to executing mindfulness. Number one, start your day without any gadgets. If the very first thing you do when you get out of bed each morning is check your phone, you are not alone, my lady. This is a struggle for me sometimes. Lots of people start their day by checking their phones for emails, notifications from social media, or even news. But instead of doing that, why not take out time for meditation? If you want to learn how to practice mindfulness, you have to learn how to meditate. For me, I start my day by just saying thank you to God, then move on to reading my Bible. Although, (laughs) it's a tough one when your Bible is on the same phone with all kinds of social media apps present. However you choose to meditate, try to be intentional about it. Number two, go for a nature walk. I mean, going for a walk can be good exercise, right? But it's also a perfect way to guide us out of the autopilot we sometimes find ourselves in. The effect going for a walk has on me when I'm having a very busy day is nothing less than spectacular. I qualify the walk as nature's walk because as you walk, 
try to pay attention to the trees, the birds, and the sky. And if you're one of those saying, there's nothing to pay attention to when I'm going out for a walk where I come from, you can simply pay attention to the lifting and falling of your feet. If you find your thoughts wandering, bring them back to the sensation of your movement. Number three, practice mindful eating. So, I have this friend who actually eats in a bowl rather than a plate to control her food portion. That is mindful eating. Another way to do this is to enjoy your food by chewing it properly to aid digestion. In addition to this, try to eat food for nourishing your body only. I put try because sis, I know it is hard. But recognize your non-hunger triggers to break free from food cravings and compulsive overeating. Lastly on this point, try to have your last meal as early as possible and we bind every plan to eat Ebba at 11pm or have ice cream and cake at midnight. We cancel it in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> Number four, wait patiently. God is working in me big time on this one. Can I get an amen? Having patience is key to learning mindfulness. I mean, some common examples are waiting at a red light, waiting in line for something, or even waiting for someone. I'm learning that the best way to tackle this problem is to shift your focus. Calm down and concentrate on the things around you. Or imagine yourself lying down on a beach, Bahamas, Barbados, wherever you want to, at that very moment. Don't worry, no pandemic, none at all, has a hold on your imagination. So let your imagination run wild. <laughs> Number five, take naps during the day. I've spoken about this one. Like I mentioned earlier, power naps bring about more patience, less stress, better reaction time, more efficiency, and better health. It is bliss. Number six, keep a journal. How many of you remember keeping your secret diary in the safest place ever as a little girl? In fact, my secret diary had a padlock and I guarded it with all my heart. <laughs> but really, just as a secret diary was useful in writing your thoughts out on paper, keeping a journal helps you to reflect on how you are feeling each day and can possibly create a thread of even gratitude when you reflect on your moods over time. Lastly, number seven, making use of an app. It is helpful to use online tools to guide your mindfulness practice, especially if you haven't done it before. There are some amazing apps available for this. I personally use Abide. I use this app just because it's rooted on the word of God and it is so helpful. So when I'm tired, when I'm anxious, I just read it and it really helps. You can set aside time each day to use this. You'll be surprised how much this helps you. One key thing in practicing mindfulness is detoxing. Shout out to my Weight Watchers, Keto Dieters, Intermittent Fasting Gang. <laughs> but really, 
If we take a look at the book of Romans in the Bible, the first and second verse precisely, in the 12th chapter, it says, Beloved friends, what should our proper response to God's marvelous mercies be? To surrender yourselves to God, to be in his sacred, living sacrifices, and live in holiness, experiencing all that delights his heart. For this becomes your genuine expression of worship. Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total transformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live in a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. A total transformation of how you think. Now, some other versions say renew your minds, which is what I like to call a mind detox. In order to be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit, we actively have to put new, better stuff in our minds. For example, listening to edifying things, watching inspiring things. And with this, you know, you can cancel out the news if you need to shut off from constantly watching the news or even social media. Please do so. And of course, reading God's word, the Bible, so, so vital in our everyday lives. It is a huge key to flushing all the old junks out of our minds. And not only does it help to flush out junk, but it also gives us a greater insight into what God is really like and what he really says, which in turn helps us to have a better filter for knowing what content we should or shouldn't let into our lives. Before I conclude, mindfulness is an ongoing practice that we must work on to maintain it. While we can achieve mindfulness, we cannot maintain it if we do not work towards it. We will have to continually balance ourselves in order to achieve mindfulness for a very long period of time. Some days will be easier than others, I can assure you, and some days it might feel like you've totally failed altogether, like me on some days. But what I have realized is that as long as you are having regular check-ins and mind detoxing, you are doing exactly what you need to be doing to maintain your mindfulness practice. And that's it, my 360 ladies. Today's quote is by William Wordsworth, an English romantic poet, which says, your mind is a garden, your thoughts are the seeds. The harvest will bring either flowers or weeds. And here I ask you, which harvest do you desire? It's a wrap! Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening, my fabulous ladies. Thank you so very much. Thanks for joining us this week on The 360 Lady. I trust you have taken some golden nuggets to live in a complete life in Christ. If you haven't already done so, please subscribe to The 360 Lady on this platform to stay in touch and never miss a show. If you like the show, kindly leave a rating on the platform so we can keep bringing a mix of magnificent and inspiring episodes. Thanks for listening, my ladies, and see you in two weeks.